Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. It's always difficult preaching at this campus. And I only was this week speaking with Sam Gunter. Uh, in regards to that, it, I've preached here a number of times. And I just am surprised every time I get invited back. Um, I, just think, I just think it's a blessing. And uh, I think, wow, do you know what you're doing? <laughs> do you have any idea? Um, but you know, like every single time I've ever preached here, it's like God sneaks up on me as a preacher. And uh, I'm in my pulpit every single week uh, with, with, uh, with Team Good Life. And uh, it's four campuses down in the Newcastle area. And uh, one we've just started in Auckland. The team went like on Monday. They went on Monday. And so that's cool. So more of the team go in February, and it's all, it's all going cool. Um, but um, So I'm always preaching, and so when you preach somewhere else, you go, okay, God, what have I got? Because you only export something you know that works, um, but it, right? So you're not quite sure. So you're going to come, you're going to go, right, God, what are you saying? Lead me towards it, because I don't want to have to preach something brand new for you. I've got enough work on my plate. Are you kidding me? Isn't that what you do? It's what you do, Carolina. Carolina, Sam, you preach. You go everywhere. Like, you go, okay, God, will you? And it's only in the times where God goes, no, nah, no, I've got something special. Like, it's never happened to me where I've been able to actually preach something here on your platform that I've done elsewhere. Yeah. Your hard work. <laughs> so I was saying to Sam, I'm like, it's, it's like there's a prophetic thing. He goes, uh, duh, it's in the water around here. And I went, but I'm not drinking it regularly, right? Um, but it is always a bonus because then I get a brand new message that I can preach all the way around. So it's good. So thank you. It's such a, uh, such a blessing. It keeps on showing me that God is a believer in people. God believes in his people. God loves people. God's looking to give us something fresh that we could share with the world. Okay, stuff that you got yesterday was good for yesterday, but come on, there is, uh, there is great things for God for you today and tomorrow. The Bible says the steps of righteous people lead upward. He's given you all things richly to enjoy. So there's a, there's a journey with God. He believes in you. He believes in your family. And no matter what the family that you were raised in, no matter what that looked like, no matter what it, you hoped it would have looked like, no matter what disappointments, no matter what you were born, some people were born with a silver spoon in the mouth. I was born with a wooden spoon in my um, anyway, but that's slightly different. No matter what your family was like, God's a believer in you and your family and in your church. He believes in his church, but he believes in your church. And so today, this journey is all about doing that journey with God and for his purposes in our lives, through our family, for our future and for our church. Uh, I already mentioned we have uh, a bunch of campuses down in the south, people aren't so afraid of the rain down there. They are used to it. It's not so acidic. The further south you get, people are kind of used to it. Um, but I, ha- I have my family. And I was not raised in a really functional home. Um, one of those things was that uh, my mum's disabled. I don't, remember what, I don't remember what it's like to have a mum who can walk properly. She had a massive car accident when I was young. And so that kind of affected a lot of life. But really, there was a lot of dysfunction in the home. Um, when there was conflict what would happen is everyone would have to go to their rooms and you were only allowed to come out when you could pretend like there was no conflict. And so everything was done passive-aggressively. You ever been in one of those homes? You ever been one of those passive-aggressive people? Well, it, and, and people go, well, so at least you're not going hard at each other. And sm-. No, it's just as dysfunctional. It's just as harmful. And so I was raised in a home like that. And so when I came to Christ, 
um, in a little INC church on the mid-north coast of New South Wales where I grew up. And I rocked up there for all the wrong reasons. I came because a girl invited me to church, a little thing we call flirt to convert. That's how Dave Vanderpool came in. Got him. Hook, line, and sink it, Chelsea. Anyway, uh, they were in my youth group on the sunny coast. That's why they're slightly deranged. Anyway, um, but since you've been with the Gunsers, things have been on the up, I reckon. Um, so I, I had no chance of being able to really walk into the future with a great family, but the only chance I really ever had was the fact that I was shown it through the life of church and through seeing and being a part of the families in church. So I came in as a 16-year-old risk, and I thank God that there were mature Christians who lived it out, who were caring enough to be involved, to actually be interested to say good day to a 16-year-old punk, and to include in on the journey of family. There's no way that I would have that apart from the Word of God, being taught the Word of God, and being shown the Word of God. And so now today, I get to bring along my family along to church. I've got my gorgeous bride, Rebecca, right here. New Zealand's greatest export is right here in the front row. All the Kiwis that leave there, they never go back. They never go back. And you ask them, what rugby team do you go for? The All Blacks. How many people do you know who play for the All Blacks? None. They don't know. They just know that the All Blacks win. And so we're kind of jealous. I took my wife to a Bledisloe Cup match in Auckland this year. One of the worst decisions of my life. Because the next morning I then had to... uh, uh, face preaching at City Point Auckland in front of a whole bunch of Kiwis. You think you've been through the valley of the shadow of death? No, you haven't. Because it wasn't just that day going to preach at City Point Auckland. That night we drove another two hours and I saw my mother-in-law. Their arms crossed at the top of the, at the, top of the steps saying, hey Dave, how was the rugby? Yeah, shadow of death. I'll give you shadow of death. Anyway, um, New Zealand's greatest export is my gorgeous wife. And, uh, and then I have my three sons with me here today. I've got Sam, who's 16, and he's uh, terrorizing the roads with his L-plates. Uh, I've got Josh, who's 14, and uh, wishes he could terrorize the world with L-plates. And I've got Joel, who's 11, going on probably 21, who lives to make an entrance, and he's just exited. But anyway... Um, <laughs> That's my family. It's interesting with this whole thought of marriage and family and how God wants to work in and through us through these, uh, through these aspects. Uh, when you get married, you're like, whoa, I've got responsibility. But then have a child. And then you realize these things rely on you for absolutely everything. And it's once you have a child, you start to realize, wow, you start to get a bit of the, the father heart of God. You start to realize God believes in family. God believes in you. God believes in the next generation. And he wants to be involved with that. And so you're looking at this child. You're thinking, wow, this is amazing. And a couple of things really hit me in my heart when, I, when we first had our first child. And uh, it's Sam right there. He's not quite so small anymore. It doesn't just kind of fit on the forearm. And um, he fits in a car. That's messing with my head right now in Jesus' name. There's a couple of things that really kind of mess. You go, my my heart just expanded. I didn't know I had the capacity to love like that even more, more people to get that kind of depth that I would take a bullet for, that I would uh, defend, I would sacrifice, I'd work so hard to protect, nurture, defend, love, steer, and support. 
I didn't realize that my heart could love like that. And that's what God does. It's God continue expanding. That's why steps of righteous people lead upward because he's got more influence, more love, more capacity, more growth, more of him for you. And the more that you open up your heart to him and what he's got for you, the more you'll have to give to other people. The other thing I realized when, I, when we created another human, which is kind of a God-like kind of thing. It's amazing. You're, you're created in the image of God, and then you can start to actually outwork those types of things. I realized we've created something that one day will turn on us. One day will rebel. One day will say, no! And I'll have to deal with that little bit of rebellion. We've actually realized recently, having three sons of this size, I realized the other day, if they turn on me, <laughs> if they actually physically turn on me, I might not be able, we're getting to that level right now. We're getting to the level where I don't think I'll be able to take all of them. But I have promised them I'll harm one of them significantly. <laughs> you think I'm joking? <laughs> And, and this whole thought that we would, as parents, love our children so much that we would do anything for them is something that kind of you realize is in your heart. And then we've got to realize that doesn't happen by accident. It's actually receiving what God's already given to us. God the Father has already given it, has already displayed it, has already got great plans. He would already, when I say I would sacrifice, work hard to protect, nurture, defend, love, steer and support, it's exactly what God does and has been doing for millennia. It's listed. You can see this in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9. And so you could turn to it in your Bibles or it's going to appear on the big novelty one behind me. You'll see it right there is that it says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's bigger. His ways are better. His thoughts for you are better than you could ever think. That's how God thinks towards us. Jeremiah chapter 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, which is convenient and nice of God to not want to harm me because he's pretty big. It's pretty strong. He's got lots of power. These plans are to give you hope and a future. Now, if you pause for a second, this is just a freebie. But you look at this when it says, for I know the plans. It should be plans that I have. It's not the place, but it's okay. We'll get it. Well, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. I just would hope sometimes that God would then fill me in on some of those. It's a part of the journey of faith and trust. Is can you trust that God's plans are to prosper you? even when he doesn't fill you in on all of the details. Do we have any ducks in a row types in the house here tonight? Today, this morning, whatever it is. Because you wish that God would give you plans, don't you? But there's the sanguins in the world. You're like, I'm up for an adventure. God's got great plans. Let's have a go. This is a bit easier for you. Like, I can roll with the punches. But it, all you need to know right here in this scripture is God's plans for you, his way for you, his thoughts. His plans are so high you can actually trust him. He might not fill you in on all the details. He might not tell you everything that's in your future because what's the chances you'd freak out? What's the chances you'd try to manufacture it of your own accord, but actually trusting in God means that you can take step after step after step in and through Him. His plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. He wants you to prosper. 
that'd give you a hope and a future. John 14 and verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't say, I am a way, I am some of the truth, I am, well, I'm alive. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's the deal, is that if we're going to continue this relationship, if we're going to start 2020 brilliantly, then I've got to sit back and go, I need to trust that His plans for me are good. I need to trust that His thoughts for me are better than I could. Because if you don't, you'll get into self-preservation, you'll get into self-interest, but the pathway to God's plans and His thoughts, which are way better, is actually self-sacrifice and self-humility. That's why the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself. Because if you don't humble yourself, there'll be something that comes along and it will humble you and that's usually not as nice. Can you trust God's plans for you are absolutely brilliant? Can you trust Him that then His ways along that pathway that you can trust are absolutely brilliant? It means you can trust Him because we love it when God comforts us. My firstborn son, he, uh, we, we were running a conference. When we were training, we, were on, we, we did eight years on the Sunshine Coast under Pastors Chaz and Fran Gulo. Brilliant, brilliant people to serve under. But we, we would run a state women's conference for all of INC, and they would all come. And so I was overseeing all of the male volunteers, and all the girls, Beck was inside. Uh, she was one of the chicks, enjoying the conference, having fun. I'm working with the male volunteers. I'm sitting there having a coffee with the male volunteers, and in rushes one of the creche workers. Beautiful Judith Bowden. She comes along and she's like white. And I went, uh, hey Jude, how you going? She goes, Dave, Dave, Dave. And I'm like, okay, you're what? I'm like, what's happened? And she goes, there's been an accident. And it was one of those, you are certainly not joking moments. I said, where what? She said, it's Sam. Sam might've been three at the time. And he was at the creche, enjoying creche, doing creche things outside and walked back inside of the uh, was running, sorry, as you do when you're three years old, back inside to have fun. And as he ran inside, he tripped as he went into the door and copped the striker plate along the door edge right up on his head, and it kind of split it quite significantly. And there was just a little bit of blood. She said, Sam's hurt. I said, take me to him. So we ran over there, and I grabbed Sam, and they were already trying to stop the bleeding. I had a look, and it just, you know, as you kind of take off the bandage, you think, I shouldn't have done that. It parted like Moses in the Red Sea. <laughs> and I'm like, that's bad. Hey, is it all right? Yeah, it's going to be fine, but it's going to be fine. You're going to pinching it up there on the head. And, and you know what's amazing is that when we're in trouble, we love the comfort of our Father God. We love the comfort of coming towards Him of our Father God. But the truth is, that was not the only part of the story of dealing with Sam and his bleeding head. You know, if you've ever had an open wound on your body, that what comes next is not fun. But oftentimes when we say, yeah, I trust God, I trust Him to come. But oftentimes I don't trust Him enough to get involved to deal with the real wound that's inside of my heart that I've been carrying since I was a child in the dysfunctional home that I was from or what happened at school or what happened with that person or the rejection at that church or that previous spouse. I say, God, I want your comfort but will I trust him that his ways are just as trustworthy as his plans? 
So Sam loved it when he was in dad's hands, but later on down the story, he didn't love it so much. It's interesting because God the Father is absolutely brilliant. And to understand this, you've got to understand the the principle of covenant. God is a covenant keeping. He's a covenant making type of God. And it goes all the way through the whole of the Bible. First starting in Genesis chapter seven with a guy called Abraham. Now, Abraham, if you don't know him, he had many sons. Many sons had father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord, right arm. Right, so it's kind of a song that goes about that. If you're not quite sure after that, just read Genesis. You'll find a lot about Abraham in there. So God makes a covenant with Abraham. And it was a bit of a two-way street in regards to, hey, there's a bit of give and there's a bit of take. Actually, if you read right into it, it's more than just a little bit of give and a bit of take. The concept of covenant is giving all. It's giving all. I trust you with my all. A covenant is not, the closest thing we can try to put it together if in one word in the English language is the word contract. So you would have a contract, but God's not signing a contract just to go, well, you keep your end of the bargain, I'll keep mine. And if not, well, this is off. He goes, we're going to seal a covenant. We're going to seal it in blood. So there's a bit of, bit of blood involved with Abraham's covenant. But then if you look at the way that God gives all to us, in sending his son. This is not just a covenant. This is not just a contract, sorry. This is a covenant of all of heart. This is where I go, God, you have all of me and I have all of you. The God that says my plans are higher, my thoughts are higher, as high as the heavens are above the earth, my ways and my thoughts are higher, my plans are better, I've got a future and a hope. If you want all of what God has got for you, it actually takes giving all of what you have to Him. You bring your perks, you bring your quirks, you bring the pros, you bring the cons, you bring the epic and you bring the ordinary. You bring the brilliant and you bring the belligerent. And we're all made up of all of those sorts of things because we want to present to God with the brilliance, but then go with this stuff that I'm a little bit belligerent about, I'm going to hold on to it. I don't want God to be Lord of all. And here's the deal. His plans, His ways, His thoughts, His everything is trustworthy. We want the comfort of God, but I've got to say, if I want my 2020 to be brilliant, I need all of God. And the avenue is a covenant where I give all of me. And for Abraham, this was a promise. It wasn't just for him. It was for all of his family. So if I want the covenant, if I want the promises of God for me and my family, the avenue is by giving all of me. He gives all, we give all. Truth is that all of God is available, but people who don't understand the concept of covenant won't give all because they think they've got to preserve some to be able to take care of themselves. This is very easy to see when it comes to offering time. So when the pastor says it's time to bring tithes and offerings, we will find out. Actually, you will find out. You'll find out very, very quickly. Do you believe that God has all for you? Because he just says, look, you don't have to give all. Just the 10% will redeem the all. And you'll go further on the 90 than you could have ever done with the 100. You'll find out if you trust him with all. Or you'll find out if you're stuck in a doctrinal conversation about tithes in the Old and New Testament. Because if you really want to get into a discussion about tithes in the Old and New Testament, you'll look to the New Testament and go, oh, they actually did give all. I'd say 10% is pretty good. And if I look... 
with the amount of money I spent on blowing brain cells before I became a Christian, I reckon 10% is a pretty good deal. So I'm giving 10% because it redeems the all, and then, I'm in the, and then I'm in the land of then generosity. If I trust God, then when it comes to offering time, I'm not going to say, oh, pastor, why you want that? What's the church all about money? Well, one in four verses in the Gospels that Jesus speaks about is always about money and resources and how you handle it, because it's so attached to our heart. Do you get the concept of covenant, or you, do you not? Are you ready to walk in it, or are you not? You'll see this when it comes to relationships. Can you trust God that God will bring along the right person as you trust His? plans his ways or you're going to speed up what actually should be happening and walk into doing things your way and not trusting God will this work when it comes down to our prayer I'm still praying for that person to come to Christ I'm still praying or will you go you know what's too heartbreaking I've stopped praying because I'm it just hasn't happened on the time frame I've just never found God buy into the timeliness that I think should happen God you're on my watch (laughs) really what about that person that you could be inviting to come to church. It was difficult when you get knockbacks. But if I realize I'm giving all and God's giving all, well, then I'm on a journey with Him and the blessing that God's got on my life is going to be shared with other people. If I hold back in any of those areas, it's because I don't understand what I have comes from God and what's coming next is also coming from God. Without an understanding that he's a covenant-making and keeping God that I can trust, I'll self-preserve, I'll self-serve, I'll self-defend instead of giving myself into God's hands. You can trust him. Sam was brought to me and he was bleeding. I said, Jude, here's the keys. Let's drive. I sat in the back. I rugged him up. I grabbed him and I'm holding onto his head. I said, let's go to the doctor. We went to the doctor and the doctor said these words, that'll need stitching. And it reminded me of when I was five and I was doing the wiping up at my grandfather's house and he was an old bush guy who made his own knives and I sliced my thumb and hit an artery. You could say I've been scarred for life. More in here because there was a phobia of needles. You think phobia of needles? Have you ever had stitches where they actually put a needle into an open wound there's got to be a better way, modern science. There has got to be someone go to university and learn something and help a brother out. What are you doing? Putting a needle right there, you idiot. Shove a needle in there. And uh, so I'm looking at my three-year-old son who loves and trusts and loves the comfort of his daddy when he's got a sore head. But I had to have a conversation, buddy. This is going to (laughs) hurt. Do you trust daddy? Yeah. I said, buddy, this is actually going to hurt more than anything's ever hurt in all of your life. But here's the option. We leave it open and you bleed out. You get infected. And it's really not cool. You'll be sore. You'll have disease. It'll be horrible. But if we let the doctor do what the doctor's going to do, he'll fix it. It'll be sore for this amount of time, but then it's going to be fixed for the rest of your life. Can you trust daddy? That's good. He goes, yes, dad, I can. And I'm thinking, this kid doesn't know what's about to hit him. (laughs) So I held him down, held his head. Old Judith jumped on top of the body. Let's stop this wriggling. And then the doctor stitched it up. 
Sounds so nice right now. But at the time, I was a young dad with the eyes of a three-year-old with the eyes of betrayal looking at me. And I know that my, sure, the plans are good, but my ways right now don't look good. Can you trust your Father God when the plans that are happening right now don't look or feel so good? Can you trust Him when the dark is around? Can you trust Him when you're still praying? Can you trust Him to bring your tithes and offerings when it's difficult? The woman who brought two coins to the, off, to, to, to the offering basket, when you come, Jesus doesn't say, oh darling, don't give your cash to the offering because you want, if it's politically correct, Jesus should be saying, no darling, we don't need it. These rich people are giving enough money. You stop it. No, we should be giving you money from the offering basket because Jesus recognizes faith and recognizes someone who believes his ways are higher, his plans are higher. You can trust Him in the dark days. You can trust Him when it's easy. You can trust Him when it's difficult. You can trust Him when the health's not what it's meant to be. You can trust Him when you're praying and believing God for breakthrough. You can trust Him. Isaiah 64 verse 8 says, we are clay, you are the potter. We are the work of your hands. And it's at this point we realize, do I trust God to be God? Trust Him to be Lord like when the scripture says potter and clay. Will I be clay in his hands? Or will I say, no, God, I don't like what you're doing with the clay. I don't like this plan. Because we can trust his plan, but then do we trust his ways? Well, it's difficult. The potter's plan is for greatness for you, but it's not the same as the person beside you or the person that's gone before you. The potter's plan is for something specific and special because you are specific and special. You're placed on the planet for a reason and a purpose, not just to make up numbers in a church service. Although if we all play our part, the truth be told, more people can understand God's plan and purpose through many more church services. If we all play our part. Will I get involved or I sit back? Now it looks like everything's done here at City Point Redcliffe. I don't have to be involved would be the person who's holding back, not from God's plan. Yes, God, but now His ways, which are, God, use me. It's amazing how many Christians say, God, use me. And when they're used, they go, oh, the church used me. That's what you asked for. I was used by the church. And? Good. How's that going for you? Oh, it was difficult like it's ever going to be super easy. If it was super easy, everyone would be doing it. You can trust your heavenly father. I was at some friend's place the other day and I saw they had a studio with a pottery wheel and a whole bunch of pottery up on the shelf. And I said, oh, that's a great coffee mug. I want that one. Can I buy it off you? They went, no. I said, why? Well, it's not ready. Looks ready. He said, no, there's so much process in actually getting that ready. Well, what about that plate over there? No, that's not ready. What about that over there? No, it's already sold to someone. Oh, is there anything I can get from you? I want to, but this is awesome. Can you make some? Oh. I said, well, tell me the process. I said, well, see that big box over there? That's the big tub of clay. You've got to get the clay out. I'm like, what happens next? Well, then you can sit around the wheel. I said, what happens next? You've got to turn the, you've got to get the, you've got to get, you've got to get the middle. What happens if it doesn't get the middle? Well, it's going to flicks off. So you want to be submitted 
to God when He goes, right, I want to place you on the wheel because I'm going to make something great out of you. I want to say, God, wherever you want to put me, God, that's where you put me and that's perfect. I don't want to resist the rest or the spot's going to hit the fan. The clay in this case. Then what's going to happen? Well, they're going to kind of shape and mold and so you've got to push. Well, I love God's comfort, but I don't like the push. And I don't always like the spin. Things are going so quickly. Brilliant. You're going to grow because you trust God's ways and you trust His plans. Well, then what happens? Well, when you're kind of finished, we stick you on the shelf. Oh, I hate being stuck on a shelf. Am I clay or am I potter? What happens after that? Well, get sicky on the kiln. That sounds hot. What happens after that? Back on the shelf. I hate the shelf. What happens after that? Well, we're going to put you in some paint. Oh, pretty now. What happens after that? Oh, you stick it back in the kiln. What? I mean, how many times do I have to? I just want to be. If I trust His plan for my life, then I can say, God, you know what? You might be shaping me into a dinner plate. But I'm not going to reject that plan just because I like coffee and would like to be a coffee mug. I'm going to say yes to your plan for my life. And then I'm going to say yes to your ways. If it's going to be a bit of pressure, if it's going to be a bit of spin, if it's going to be a bit of pace, if it's going to be a bit of yes, Lord, if it's going to be sometimes I'm on the shelf and sometimes I'm getting prettied up, it's yes, Lord. Sam that day received stitches to the head. There's two things we definitely know about that scar to his body. Number one, chicks dig scars. He's got a scar story. Let me tell you. You know the scar stories that happen around the campfire? Let me tell you about this one. My dad had to hold me down. Here's the next one. He trusts dad. And that plays out years later when I'm sitting next to him in a car while he's doing his L's. 120 hours, who thought that up? That is the devil. I'm going to bind that in Jesus' name. But God has got great plans and great ways for you. It's otherwise known as, is He Lord or are you? The best thing you could start 2020 with would be to assess our own hearts and say, God, you know what? Your plans, whatever they are, I submit. A covenant making and keeping God who gives all, God, I give all. Your plans are great and whatever your ways are are great. I'm also going to submit to those ways. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.